ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಯಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣಿ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾ ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯತಿ ನಮಃ ವಸುದೇವಸುತಂಗಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ ವೇರಿಯಸ್ ಟೈಪ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಯಜ್ಞಿಯೇಟೆಡ್ ಇನ್ ದೋರ್ತ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ ಭಗವದ್ ಗೀತಾ So as a quick recapitulation, that the concept of Yajna, how does it evolve in Bhagavad Gita that we were describing in the last class, that in Vedanta, the idea is the ultimate reality, the Brahma, finds expression as Shakti, and that Shakti again finds expression as certain laws. It is not chaotic. Om, Rim, Ritam, Om. represents the ultimate reality rim represents the shakti aspect the entire creation is nothing but energy that shakti aspect which we find expression in the phenomenal phenomenal universe represents that rim and that rim is finds expression as rhythm the rhythm the laws behind the universe so even in our human existence in when the existence come to the beings so the moral law the moral law we will find which is working behind the working of the universe is yagya thus we find that the concept of yagya has been much more widened in bhagavad gita it doesn't represent only the fire sacrifice the so wherever we find there is a idea of give and take it is all yagya just in the fire sacrifice we offered the oblations to the fire with the expectation that the devas will be propitiated by the offerings of the oblations and in return they will give us blessings in various forms that concept is now elaborated here we find in bhagavad gita it has been mentioned in the third chapter that sahayagya prajasrishtva when the lord created this universe he created along with yagya so it doesn't mean only the fire sacrifice that entire universe you will find is governed by the principle of interbeing give and take nothing can be secluded from the entire universe a constant flow is going on constant give and take is going on be aware of that fact and take part in that yagya with full awareness that as in the last class also we were indicating with the evolution of the modern science the idea was that knowledge is power the famous statement of francis bacon that knowledge is power but uh, we take it in a very positive way but when francis bacon termed this uh, 
quotation that knowledge is power his intention was something very negative that the nature by itself is not going to give you offer you anything by itself you have to force it out force it out and what's that force the so called knowledge all our technological knowledge with which we are forcing out of nature all its resources so there was no sense of cooperation with the nature we were exploiting the nature and we find that we are in the verge of extinction if we continue this way we are bound to become an extinct race so why because we never realize the law behind the entire universe is the idea of cooperation to be aware of this interbeing and to take part in it as we find in our scriptures it was mentioned the idea of pancha yagya the bhuta yagya the nri yagya the rishi yagya the pashu yagya so these all these yagyas were there that in our day to day life being aware of the fact that as we take from the nature we have to again in return give back to the nature if we have to live a life in harmony and synthesis otherwise we will be the cause of disintegration and that's the basic idea with which we find that when i am relating to the universe there are in sanskrit there are two words parak and pratyak when through your senses you move out that is parak when you close your senses and try to dive within that is pratyak so parak when you are interrelating with the universe then also that yagya has to go on how we will find that in the third chapter it was mentioned mentioned that from karma from action evolves yagya from yagya comes parjanya means rain from rain comes anna means food and from the food we sustain ourselves so if we take yagya in the limited sense the fire sacrifice it means nothing we will be resorting to some practices when there is drought we will be doing some fire sacrifice with the idea rain will come we forget we have totally devastated nature we were not doing the yagya and now that our uh mis our this misconception has led to this all these natural calamities and just by doing facts fire sacrifice uh, we think that we are going to bring back the harmony of nature it's not going to be the real meaning of yagya is what it is going on always look at the tree yagya is going on that rain falls it is absorbed by in the soil and that again that same water is being what you said is absorbed by the roots of the plant it is nourishing the plant and not only that from the leaves the transpiration is happening so just see give and take it is a cycle the same water now in the form of transpiration this is the yagya which is going on then you can relate these words that from karma comes yagya what karma means that shakti aspect the ring aspect that the lord has found expression as shakti that karma is now finding expression as yagya that shakti is again not chaotic it finds expression as law what's the law the law of give and take that yagya that how that yagya is happening 
the same rain which is absorbed by the soil is again that same water is absorbed by the plant and again it is trans through transpiration it is forming the cloud so that again the rain is coming this cycle this yagya chakra is going on knowing that participate in it the real yagya is not doing the fire sacrifice go and afforest the universe which we have already exploited believing in the idea that we have to exploit nature to sustain ourselves to to be to to consume more and more to satisfy our greed we have to exploit we forgot that unless we are maintaining that balance planting trees the yagya is going on there then you can understand that how from karma comes yagya from yagya comes rain not by just doing a fire sacrifice forest the the let that land which was green we again be green let us this cooperate with nature coexist with nature not we live at the cost of nature and then this yagya is going on you take part in it so that was in the third chapter where when we are moving out parak through our senses relating to the world relate by doing that type of yagya it is only one specific example which the gita has given in the third chapter but it actually means in each and every phase of life that when you in your work field when this all these multinationals with all this huge money you will find that the world's wealth is with only the one person 99% of the wealth is with the 1% of the population so what has happened there also yagya is not happening that all the industries are after all meant for what to create jobs and after creating jobs to really think of the welfare of all the beings that uh, i still remember that when our aditya billa in his autobiography has mentioned that his father gd billa who contributed a lot during the freedom movement of india he was funding the freedom movement he had a lot of contribution but he was after all a businessman so when he was instructing his children that when they grow up they have to continue with the business he used to say that your personal life should be very should be very austere your food habits your day to day entertainment everything should be disciplined don't waste your money squander your money so do the business properly save money and with the money you say what will you do do another business so you will find it is just the language of the businessman no the next sentence is very important why do another business you will create job for another 10 people 20 people you will help them to sustain so you find the idea of yagya again that you do get the wealth from the society and again you give back by helping them to stand on their own feet i go for my job it is not for the mercenary purpose just to earn money each and every work after all has that uh, factor where i am contributing to the society whatever we may be doing in some way or other we are contributing to the society so give that factor more importance that i do need money to sustain myself that wonderful example of goodwin that we gave in some previous occasions where we find this concept of yagya very nicely elaborated that goodwin he was a stenographer 
when Swami Vivekananda was delivering his lectures in the West, it was all extempore. He was a realized soul. He never had some prepared lecture. From inspiration, whatever is to come from his mouth, he is to speak. And now, the devo- this all the gatherings, the devotees, the disciples, they started feeling that all will be lost because there is no manuscript, there is no transcription of what he is speaking. There is no reference to it. He is just speaking from his inspiration. So they appointed a stenographer. His name was Goodwin. He came as a stenographer and while taking the notes of Swami Vivekananda in shorthand, he himself got inspired. He got so inspired that he became the disciple of Swami Vivekananda and he followed Swamiji. When Swamiji came back from the West to India, he came along with him to India. And he used to do all the, when Swami Vivekananda was sick, Goodwin was serving him personally, preparing his food, just keeping his this dress, everything clean, ironed. So all the personal works he used to do. Seeing that, all were impressed that how devoted he is. And then they found, after some time they found that he do get some remuneration from Swami Vivekananda. Monthly he is getting some remuneration. So now it became a gossip. All started gossiping. After all, he is not a devotee. He is after all paid for what he is doing. And these words at last reached Goodwin. Goodwin heard of what the gossip is going on. And his remark was wonderful. He told, yes, I do take some remuneration from Swamiji. Monthly remuneration I do take. Why I take? Because my old, when I came along with Swamiji, my old mother, I have left her back in UK. She's still there. She's old. No one is there to take care of her. To send some money to her, I do take some money from Swamiji. And Swamiji gladly gives me that. Willingly gives me that. But to, just to, for my mother, I do take some money for, from Swamiji, but let no, no one think that it is for that money I serve Swamiji. I love him. I respect him. I revere him. I consider him as my guru. And from the bottom of my heart, I, it is the poor of my heart, whatever I do for him, it's not for that money. I do take that money because I have to sustain. I have to take care of my mother. So I do take money, but all the service which I give is just the outpour of my heart. It is not because of that money. So this is the wonderful attitude which we all can have in our work field. That I have got that opportunity, the privilege to, to, to what you said is take care of certain responsibilities with which after all I am serving. No work is after all meant for only for my own uh, sustenance. It is meant in some way or other to serve the society. So I am serving the society, but for my sustenance, for my family's sustenance, I do take some money as a salary or any whatever it may be. But my service is just from that love, from that empathy for the entire humanity. So if we can have that attitude, that work becomes worship. So that becomes yajna, and that's the idea of yajna in the third chapter we saw. And in the fourth chapter, again this concept of yajna comes. Before he is going to the description of the 
various forms of yajna first he says that if i can do the same yajna with the idea that after all everything is brahman it is that om that absolute reality which finds expression as shakti which again in turn finds expression as the law of interdependence so after all everywhere it is the brahman and brahman alone who is manifested through all the work which is going on and all the laws and principle of interbeing which is finding manifestation through all those work it is the brahman and brahman alone so if in all my activities i can see that it is the entire universe with all its action is permeated by the divine and divine alone then i am always aware of the divine then nothing remains secular everything becomes spiritual even my day to day life everything whatever i am doing in everything i find it is the act of offering by the divine to the divine and even the act itself is divine and that was indicated in the 24th uh sloka of this fourth chapter that's a famous sloka which we study brahmaarpanam brahmahavi brahmagnau brahmanahutam brahmaivate nagantavyam brahmakarma samadhina so everything is brahman brahmaarpanam the offering itself is brahman brahmahavi the act of brahmaarpanam the act of offering is brahman arpana is brahman brahmahavi the thing which i am offering as oblation havi is the ghee that is brahman brahmagnau the fire is brahman brahmana ahutam the entire this the one who is offering he is also brahman brahmaiva tena gantavyam brahma karma samadhina the he he attains brahman who with this awareness can do all his actions all his within all his actions he is always aware of the fact it is the divine which is manifesting itself as the universe and it is the divine who is finding expression in all the actions which is going on in the universe and that's the thing which we try to remember always before taking food it's not just the food it's the idea that we may miss out our meditation we may miss out our spiritual practices but i cannot miss out my meals i have to take my food i may say i have no time for my medita- meditation but i cannot say i do not have time for my food you have to take your food to sustain yourself and that's why this is the practice which we have that at least that this is a thing which is a must i have to take my food why not before food <coughs> you tag that prayer to indicate specifically the food i am taking is brahman it is offered the fire of digestion that is the jatharagni the fire in your belly which is as if digesting your food that is brahman that you are brahman the food is offered to the brahman everything is brahman so this <coughs> idea of interbeing finds expression in the process of taking food in the assimilation and the in the, in the process of nurturing ourselves and in the process of this interbeing through all this 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 uh, idea of the awareness of the interbeing through which the divine alone is finding expression is manifested 
So why not before food repeat this mantra, repeat this sloka, which indicates not only the interbeing only when we are taking food, actually it inter indicates the idea of interbeing in whatever we are doing throughout our day, as long as we live from our birth till our death, whatever we are doing, this idea of interbeing is there everywhere and it is the divine alone who is finding expression through all the actions in this universe. To remind us of that fact, we always chant this sloka before taking the food. So that we were discussing in the last class and then we entered into the various aspects of yoga, of yajna. That yajna is not only in our relation to the external world. Even when we go dive within, pratyak, when we, when we are trying to uh, what you say that evolve our own personality, transform our own personality by practicing certain disciplines, then also this yajna is going on. And those various ideas of yajna, which is going on within, not only with our interaction with the world, which is going on within, has been described from the 25th to the 33rd sloka of the 4th chapter. So what's the 25th? That also we studied in the last class. Daiva meva pare yajyam yogina paryupasate brahmagnava pare yajyam yajye naivopa juhati Daivam eva apare yajyam yogina paryupasate That it's a general practice that which most of us do. For most of us we have devotion to God not because we want God. We want all the worldly goals of life to be fulfilled. And we think God is the means to achieve that end. I go and pray to God. So most of us, our yajna is how? That we offer something to the divine, expecting in return some worldly gains. Wealth, uh, job, there's good service and all, all this this name, fame, everything, good health, <clears throat> all these things for which we go and worship to the divine. That is also yajna. That also has been uh, mentioned as yajna by Bhagavan. Though it is not the highest form of devotion, though it is not the highest form of yajna, but it is a yajna. Why? Because in this world nowadays even, you will find that most of us, when we want to achieve something, we hold on to some influential people of this world. I think, oh, he is a rich man. He is a very influential man. If I associate with him, he will give me some favors. The idea of divinity is not there. Our entire approach is worldly, that there is some existence behind this. I am not even aware of it. That portal of existence have not opened up for me. So the one who has started believing that God is he is there to help me out in all the situations of life. At least that uh, the divine portal has opened for him. Though he is asking for some worldly gains, but he has developed a belief in God. So that's why he is also considered as one who is aware of the yajna. So that's the first thing he's starting with. That the one who thinks God as the means, world as the end, and that way offered to the divine, expecting something in return. So that's also which categorizes most of us, has been first enunciated by Bhagavan 
as a yagya by saying daivam eva apare yagyam yogina paryupasate that sacrifices to gods alone that most of the karma yogis resort to and then brahmagnava pare yagyam yagya naivopajyuvati but the one who has developed the awareness of the divine shall he stop from all actions that most of us think that as long as i think the world alone is the be all and the end all of my existence i move out to the world to get the maximum benefit out of it to extract and then when i develop the idea of the divine that after all this world is temporary the god is something which is eternal so if i have to hold on to the divine i have to leave the world that's the basic idea that i have to leave the world renounce the world and be always contemplating on the divine so to nullify that type of idea to uh, just help us out from that type of false renunciation what bhagwan is saying brahmagnava pare yagyam yagya naivopajyuvati that you that when you know that it is the divine and divine alone who is the be all and end all of existence everything else what i see as the world of name and form is nothing but the divine that doesn't mean i have to renounce the world and lead a pure contemplative life not trying to in any way associate with the life no you can continue with all your actions keeping that idea that it is the divine and divine alone which is finding expression which is finding expression through all the activities in the universe in the form of interbeing so with that you do the yagya as we studied in the 24th that's the idea which is being again spoken of <clears throat> in the second phase of the 25th shloka <clears throat> that brahmagnava brahmagno that still others offer the sacrifice by way of sacrifice in the fire of brahman alone that is the brahman and brahman alone which is finding expression as the universe with that idea he continues with his work so it is just the change of paradigm the change of attitude spirituality doesn't mean the cha- that to change the way of your action that for us spirituality means i leave everything and lead a life which is which speaks of pure spirituality just meditation worship no whatever i am doing i can continue to do the same thing with a different awareness that there is with a with a shift of awareness that it is the divine which is finding expression as the universe it is a god and god alone in the words of ramakrishna vivekananda shiva gyane jiva seva it's when you are interacting with the world you are not interacting with other beings as swami ji used to say very nicely i worship that god whom the ignorant calls man as i see you as a man i see as a human because i am ignorant i worship that god whom the ignorant calls man that's actually it is a god it is a god in each and every being it is the same divine which is finding expression as you and me seeing that divinity whatever i do then it it no more remains just an ordinary work it becomes worship so the there is no more any compartment any watertight compartment between spirituality and secularism and secularity there is nothing uh, uh, there is no compartment between the spiritual and the secular everything becomes spiritual your life becomes 24 by big 7 spirituality 
Spirituality cannot be a part-time affair. That oh, so that in the morning for few hours I just do my worship, I meditate, and rest of the day is my dealing with the world. That can never be the spirituality. The real spirituality is something which is 24 by 7. It has to permeate our entire existence. The once we change our attitude, everything becomes spiritual. Nothing remains secular. And that's the idea which has been spoken of in that second phrase of the 25th uh, sloka. That Brahma, Brahma pare yagyam, uh, yagyam yagye naivopa juvati. Some offer their sacrifices in the fire of Brahman. So that's the idea which has been spoken of in the second uh, phrase of the 25th sloka. And then in the 26th sloka. So we are actually recapitulating. We studied in a more elaborate way in the last class. What is in the 26th sloka? These slokas are wonderful. It actually, you'll find that with spirituality we can encompass entire entirety of our life. That way Gita has been propounded. The 26th sloka, what he is saying? Srotra dinindriyananye sangya magnishu juvati. Srotra dini indriya anye sangya agnishu juvati. That some offer their ear, the, all the sense organs, as sacrifice to the fire of self control. What it is speaking of? See, when as a Brahmachari, in our scriptures they have spoken, spoken of as the four stages of life. Brahmacharya, Grihastha, Vanaprastha, Sannyasa. And they have spoken of four these stages, these four ashramas, and four, there is another four is our the goal. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. So these four Purusharthas and four ashramas. In the first uh, ashrama, the Brahmachari, what is his Purushartha? The practice Dharma. Dharma means what? Not the, the religion which we speak of. Dharma means Dharyateti Dharma. That which helps us to integrate. That when I will be a householder, I will have to, I, I will be pursuing for Artha and Kama, for wealth and for the sensate pleasures of life. As a householder, I will be pursuing. But that has to be done in, in a controlled way. In such a way that I don't resort to some uh, uh, way of life which is not uh, sanctioned by the society. You will find all the crime happens. Why? That after all the pursuit of Artha and Kama, Kama has, led, has dragged us to greed. And we forget about the injunctions which bind us as a society we just exploit we in, the, in our pursuit for artha and karma we start exploiting others so for that what some integrity of the character is required so as a brahmachari when you are practicing dharma it's not just gathering of information you're integrating your personality so that when you grow up you start reading the laws of a householder life of a householder you will be pursuing wealth, you will be pursuing the censored presence of life, but you will be doing it in such a way that you don't lose your integrity and you don't become the cause for the disintegration of the society. So this is very important. So as a brahmachari, what I have to do? To a certain extent, I have to practice delaying of gratification. 
It is not that I just renounce everything. I know that all the pleasures of life are waiting for me as a householder when in the future I delay. I have to control myself now to certain extent so that from this self-control I gain something in future. That I renounce some short-term game to get some long-term game. That if I get distracted with all the the censored pleasures of life as a student, I won't be giving more, my, 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 focus, my focus on the studies will be wasted. I cannot focus. And that speaks what? I cannot integrate my life. I cannot really focus to reach the goals of my life. It will be dissipated. So here, this when it is saying that srotra dini indriyanyanye, that as a brahmachari what is your yajna that control your senses control your mind not because that I have to control forever for the time being I am delaying my gratifications so that I can integrate my life so as a brahmachari when you are practicing samyama this practicing self-discipline, then the fire of your yajna is the self-discipline in which you are as if offering your senses. So that speaks of the integrity that as we find in our scriptures it has been mentioned, chhatranam adhyayanam tapa. To be focused in your studies is the tapa. What is tapa? So it's not easy that the thousands of things are there to distract me but I have to use my willpower to keep myself focused in my desired goal that's so that I, my energy is not dissipated in thousands of things so that's the state of the brahmachari for a brahmachari the yajna is the sangyama as if you are offering your senses in the fire of self-control and the next when you become a householder the second line speaks of that. Then also yajna goes on. What's the yajna for the householder? Shabdadin vishayanyanya indriyagnishu juvati. Now the self-control was the fire. Now the indriyas itself become the fire in which you offer shabda, means all the sense objects. What it means? Yes, now as a householder, you do have that license to uh, pursue for your karma and artha artha and karma i have that right i have the license for that but i have to do it as a yajna what's the yajna here that is atmavat deva sevanam that do now i am enjoying my life to certain extent within a restrict within the within all the restricted parameters of the scriptures and of the society. I am enjoying. I am uh, earning my wealth. I am uh, resorting to the sunset pleasures of life. It's all okay. But don't forget, forget that after all the entire universe is nothing but the divine. So do how you do it? With a sense of yajna. What's the, what's the yajna here? Just give an example. If I am, I like, say, I, I, I just like mango. And when the season of mango comes, 
in the market there's a lot of mango i go and buy the mango and just come and have it to my own satisfaction so that is just the satisfaction of the greed nothing else and now the scripture is saying you need not restrict yourself you need not say oh i want it though i like mango i won't eat mango you still can have it but how to do it instead of just buying and just having it for yourself buy the mango come offer it to the divine after that you can have it so you're still having it but what has happened in the meantime through that offering the idea has come that this is the sacred food it is a prasadam so now what happens you will find still you are satisfying your greed but in the process of satisfying your greed that greed is being sublimated to devotion you develop devotion the same it is not that you have renounced everything but through the same act of your uh, enjoying the sensitive pleasures of life you find that your what you say this all the desires are being sublimated a devotional factor is coming to your life so now you will understand what they are saying that when you are a householder you do have the license for the uh, what you say this uh, the license for artha and karma to earn money to enjoy the sunset pleasures of life but do it as a sense of worship as in the last class we were saying you will find that in the hindu marriage ceremony what's the thing the groom will be holding uh, something sharp any part of india you go something sharp either it is a, this the sword in the rajasthan and all they will have the sword in west bengal it is just the what you say the jati the the nut cutter with which you nut cut the nut they will be holding something sharp what's the idea it's actually idea of mutual respect that we say that uh, in the marriage ceremony they say pati is the parameshwar it's a wrong idea not only pati is the parameshwar it's not that only the groom is to be treated by the uh, bride as the lord it's not true that's true this partial truth the other truth is something very important even the groom has to think that the my bride is the shakti is a divine shakti is expression of the divine shakti with whose help i will cut through the bondage of maya of ignorance to so just that's to signify that idea that with her help i am going to cut through the bondage of maya he is holding or she is holding something sharp he is holding something sharp that's the idea so we don't know we these rituals are done in a very meaningless uh, without knowing the significance behind it once you know the significance you find the idea of yagya is hidden there that you are resorting to some householders way of life you will be resorting to the sensed pleasures of life but to do it again with a sense of worship that it is the interaction with the divine the others happiness the others pleasure is of my prime importance in life not my own my own happiness should not be at the cost of the others that's the question of mutual respect when both have that that my pleasure my happiness is secondary the others is primary then it becomes yagya there's no more question of self gratification it it is there but it is being sublimated through that yagya to a process where you or we all are practicing the effacing of the ego to a great extent and that's the idea of the yagya as a householder which has been spoken of in the second phrase the shabdadin vishayanya indriyagnishu jivvati 
and then in the 27th so now when you go to the the from uh, the state of grihastha to the state of vanaprastha to the state of sanyasa all the stages of life now your yagya changes now you have gone through all the stages of this the responsibilities as a householder as a family man now the world doesn't want something from you in return you are to certain extent free and now the other dimension of your uh, life has opened up the spiritual dimension you know after all just to the pursuit of sensuous pleasures of life cannot give you that eternal happiness there is something spiritual dimension in me i have to be aware of that to really enjoy the eternity of my existence after all this life the nature at certain point of time gives me everything in bounty when you are youth when you are when you have your qualifications your degree you get a good job you find as if the entire nature is your slave it is ready there to serve you by providing you all the amenities of life and you think you are the you are at the top of the world you are the king and as you start aging the the plan of the universe is such even if you don't want you want to cling to whatever you get you cannot as you start aging you will find your youth is going all your capabilities skills they are all vanishing your mind is not that sharp however you may try you cannot compete with the young ones it's all going it's all going you cannot hold on to it it has to go because that that's the what's what's the plan of the nature it gives you in bounty at certain point of time and again it will take away everything from you at certain point of time so that's why swamiji is saying as we have to give give willingly let not others snatch it away from you you have to give so give it willingly let not allow the others to snatch it away from before it snatches you give it willingly enter to that stage of life where you become now aware of the spiritual dimension of existence not only this physical plane which cannot satisfy you through eternity and by becoming aware of that now you resort to a, another type of renunciation which is not similar to that of the brahmachari the brahmachari's renunciation was different he knew the pleasures of life are waiting for me for the time being i am renouncing but when you go to the brahmaprastha state that renunciation is something different that as my real nature is concerned i am always fulfilled i don't have to gain something to really attain fulfillment i am always fulfilled i just have to detach myself from this worldly existence and be aligned to my spiritual dimension of existence where there is no want where there is no desire where there is no question of annihilation i am eternal i am always fulfilled so for that you have to practice sacrifice where you are always aware of the spiritual di- dimension of your existence and that from that entails renunciation where there is no question of delaying the gratification but there is a question of annihilating the gratification totally i just not delaying i am annihilating this because this worldly plane of existence after all can never give me that fulfillment it has to fall off i have to be established in my spiritual dimension so it is no question no more question of delay is a question of total annihilation and that's been spoken of in the 267th sloka that sarvan indriya karmani प्राण कर्माणी चापरे आत्म संयम योगाग्नौ जूहति ज्ञान दीपिते सो अदर्स ऑफर द फंक्शंस ऑफ ऑल द ऑर्गन्स 
and the pranas, prana and sarva indriyani. In the fire of yoga of self-control, lightened by knowledge, that jnana, that, that I am the self, in this, in this knowledge becomes the fire of a sacrifice. In that, now he is offering all the sensed pleasures, the prana, everything of his life, he is offering that. That's the thing which we studied. So when you go to the state of vanaprastha, sannyasa, even some may need not go through the stage of grihastha. If there are a few fortunate ones who have developed that idea, who has for whom the spiritual dimension of his existence has opened up as a child, when he was a brahmachari, he can skip that state of, what you say, this grihastha, can skip the state of vanaprastha, can go directly to the sannyasa, as in the Brihadarana Kupanishad is mentioned, that yat ahareva virajit, tat ahareva prabhriyajit, grihatva vanatva. The moment that renunciation, the real renunciation dawns in, don't waste time, don't give a second thought, prabhriyajit, move out, grihatva, either from house, vanatva, or from the state of vanaprastha, you can go directly to the state of sannyasa. Because an opportunity knocks only once. So there's a joke that uh, someone heard the knock in the door. There was a two knocks, knock, knock. And he asked, who is it? The, the voice came, opportunity. So he told, it cannot be, because it knocks only once. So it knocked twice. So it cannot be. So what's the idea? So the, most of us we will find that we do develop a sense of renunciation after entering the house of uh, the Krihastha, the householder's life. We feel, why all this West? But now you are already see, though in, inwardly you are having a sense of renunciation, but external circumstances won't allow you. So as a Brahmachari, if that came, don't wait. Go out. Because if you delay and somehow get trapped, there is no chance. Though inwardly you have that will, but external circumstances won't allow you. So these two factors has to come together. It's not only the, this, your internal will, the external circumstances also has to be favored. So when it comes in life in the proper moment, don't give a second thought. Simply move out. That's the bold statement in the Brihadaranaki they are saying. So those who have were fortunate enough to come out from that state, well and good. Otherwise, those who are in the state of Vanaprastha and the Sannyasa, they can start thinking of this, that Atma Sanyama, that I am the Atman, keeping this awareness always alight. That is the flame of your fire. Offer all your sunset pleasures so that you can be uh, aligned to your spiritual diamond of existence by detaching yourself from this so-called all the senses, all the vital energies and be always established in the self. That is the path of the yoga, which has been spoken of, which is applicable for the vanaprasthis and the yogis. Just see how Bhagavan is transforming the entire life into a yajna. A spiritual pursuit that nothing remains secular. Everything becomes spiritual if you do it with that sense of yajna. And then in the 28th sloka, these various yajnas which you are doing, how we can do? We can do it as an offering of some material things or it can be the knowledge, it can be the deliverance of the knowledge. If someone is hungry, I can give food. But a better way of sacrifice that if someone is hungry, immediately I give him food. But in the process, when I'm giving him food, I teach him how to cultivate the land. So then what happens if, when, if you give food to someone, you can appease his hunger 
just for a day. But if you teach him agriculture, you appease his hunger forever, isn't it? So jnana yagya, this <coughs> any yagya which speaks of this idea of give and take through knowledge that is always better than just simply giving some material thing. So that's the idea which will be spoken of in the 28th that how this various type of yagyas have gradations. What's the idea? Dravya yagyas tapo yagya yoga yagyas tathapare swadhyaya jnana yagyascha yataya sankshita brata. So the, all these yagyas which has been spoken of, it can be the uh, idea of give and take through dravya, through some just things in the form of charity. Or it can be tapo yagya in the form of penances. It can be yoga yagya by controlling the mind stuff or swadhyaya by comprehending the meaning of the Vedas or any sublime ideas through constant this contemplation or uh, that's the various types of yagyas which we can resort to dravya yagya this charity tapo yagya this charity can be a yagya how whenever you are giving something you will find it's a very interesting thing uh, any gift, when you give something, a joy emanates. It's a wonderful thing. That's why we say that as a small child, as a small child, that suppose as the father or the mother, you have the will to give something to someone. You can simply give it. But instead of giving yourself, if you have a child, you ask him, you give it, ask the child to give it, just simply that it's not a very big deal that instead of give, handing over something to some other person, you ask the child to give to that person. And you are, you are actually educating the child in a wonderful way. Because something we never realize that in giving something, you experience a joy. Most of us think that just to grab things, uh, to have things, to acquire things gives us joy. We never realize in giving something there is a great joy because that speaks of the uh, dissolution of our ego. Sri Ramakrishna used to say our ego is like a barrier. So in this ocean is like the uh, ocean of existence and in that ocean you immerse one pot and some ocean water enters into that pot. Now you say this is pot water and this is ocean water. There is a barrier. If there's a waves in the ocean, it no way disturbs the water in the pot. Sri Ramakrishna says, this pot is like the ego. There's only one existence. And where our ego creates that barrier, now I get separated from the entire existence. Others' pain doesn't uh, re make me suffer. Out of sense of responsibility, I may help others, but it doesn't really make me suffer. But it is, it is only because of the barrier of the ego. As we say, you will find with the small children, when they are all playing together, if one falls and gets hurt and starts crying, all starts crying. Because their ego barrier is very, very thin. They are yet to develop that ego. They easily relate to others' emotions, very easily. If one star child cries, the other starts crying. So as we grow, as our ego barrier becomes strong, we start uh, getting totally uh, separated, isolated from the entire existence. So the more this ego barrier is thin, the more we relate to others. And in the act of giving, our ego barrier starts falling off. 
and immediately the mom the moment the ego barrier falls off the moment you relate with uh, the non local consciousness not just the localized consciousness within you the more you feel joy most of us are not aware of it i, I still remember in our schools whenever there is this you know the celebrations we have to distribute prasadam to uh, the huge gathering we almost make it a, a rule that our students who are staying in the hostel they also take part in it there's a huge resistance from them every year we used to experience a huge resistance that they don't want that duty but as we insist where they start doing most probably just one hour slot has been kept for them so that the volunteers can come and take over that work from them every year the same thing at the beginning they are they are just uh, hesitant they, are, they don't will to uh, go for that work they try to avoid and once we insist we almost force them no you have to do it and now after one hour when they are supposed to leave the volunteers are supposed to come and take over they won't leave they want to continue and we have to force them again because we know that as they are not habituated they will develop tremendous body pain but every year the same experience once they start they don't want to discontinue why in that one hour they start feeling that joy they're just simply giving the food gives a tremendous joy because you are somehow divulging the ego in others happiness you are finding happiness it's in i was in the relief section in the welfare section in belurmat for some time for about some uh, two years the whoever used to come for some pecuniary help so extremely poor person this have no means even he doesn't know uh, how to uh, arrange for his food the next day no money they will come and ask for some small help 50 rupees 100 rupees and my senior swami he asked asks them why they want why they want and you will find a wonderful thing that very few will say that i am hungry i don't have wear clothes to wear no almost none will say when you ask why they will say i have a son i have a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter for whom i want to i don't have anything to feed him i don't have sufficient money to buy clothes they never say i am hungry it's a wonderful thing that in this life you will find that our suffering is only when you cannot because of your uh, what is it this uh, lack of resources you cannot give to others that causes the suffering when you you will you will find in most of the cases the suffering comes when you cannot give there is a joy in giving because that you are following the law of interbeing and that's the idea of the dravya yagya first and then comes the tapo yagya finances that that is also very important as we give given importance through certain uh, to certain extent finance is very much required in life just to give a common example the fasting that why we fast so on the shivaratri night the puja will be there from morning we start fasting so it's almost 24 hour fasting that uh, from this morning to the next morning we fast why we fast is it just some meaningless ritual no now what's the idea that throughout the night i will be doing in four praharas this uh, there's in four, four times we have to do the worship so entire night you will be spending in worship so 5 6 hours 8 hours you will be worshiping 
So it needs a particular state of your body and a particular state of your mind. What's that? If when I'm worshipping, somehow I get distracted because of my hunger, I cannot worship. Now you say that from the morning you, are, uh, you have not taken food, you're bound to feel hungry. That's the wonderful thing. You're not, you don't feel hungry. What happens, you know, very interesting. Why be fast? So when you take the resolution of fasting, so as usual in the lunch time, you will be terribly hungry. Why that, that, what is that hunger? <clears throat> the pangs of hunger is the biological alarm system, nothing else. That the body is giving the alarm, that it is a time for food, take food. So pangs of hunger is the, this biological alarm system. So now if you somehow uh, <clears throat> just ignore that alarm system, the alarm system after some time gets tired, it stops. Just, you know, even in your, uh, this, uh, the clock, the alarm, once, twice, thrice, then it will stop. So here also the alarm system stops for the time being. Those who fast, they all know, in the lunch time you will be feeling terribly hungry. You somehow distract yourself by getting engaged in some other work, try to avoid that hunger. In the evening, by the evening, suddenly you will find your body is very light, as you have not taken food throughout the day, and you are not feeling the pangs of hunger. Now your mind is prepared. Now for a few more hours, the alarm system won't again disturb you. Your mind is free, your body is light. Now you can continue with your worship for hours together. And thus you will find you have renounced the short-term gain. You have given away the short-term gain to gain something which speaks of the long-term gain. So now you can really resort to contemplation throughout the night. That's why occasional fasting is something which even Nowadays they think of its all the physical benefits, the body, this our health benefits. Apart from that, it has a huge psychological benefit. So that's why this tapa is also a yajna, where you are giving away something to get something. Yoga yajna, chitta vritti nirodha. We need not have to speak of that for our spiritual enlightenment. That's the yoga yajna is the something which is important. Swadhyaya, uh, this is also is a yajna. Swadhyaya. So why, when I read the scriptures, its meaning immediately doesn't become clear to me. So now there are two things, two ways. I can say these are all useless nonsense and I, can, uh, I may just become disinterested in the study or I may be humble enough to accept the fact that the scripture is something authentic. I do not have the clear understanding to understand it. So why not cogitate upon what I am studying. Sravana, Manana, Nididhyasana. Let me try to again and again think over what I am studying. And as the knowledge becomes clear, I develop an intellectual conviction and then I try to internalize that conviction. That becomes a part of my life. That is Nididhyasana. So this speaks of Swadhyaya Yajna. Through your study, that study you become make, make the sacrifice. That study gets converted into your contemplation. That contemplation becomes the way of life. And that transforms your life. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, in the present world, we find that there is so much of information. Swamiji used to say that gathering of information is not knowledge. The real knowledge is the assimilation of idea. Get hold of one idea and just make that idea your life. And he used to give a wonderful example is to say, you know how the this pearl is formed? That a particular type of mollusk, 
will get irritated by a sand particle and what it does along with the sand particle it will dive deep into the river bed and it will start salivating over that irritant that sand particle it will start salivating over that and in time in the process of time what happens with time what happens that's this secretion all this secretion gets solidified crystallized to become the pearl so swamiji is saying that like that sand particle which is the irritant take one idea cogitate upon it that is manana manana warm one cogitating upon it the more the idea becomes clear you develop an intellectual conviction but that intellectual conviction itself is not sufficient your entire life should be transformed as per that intellectual conviction what is the what is the meaning of get life getting transformed uh, as per your intellectual conviction that ramakrishna during his sadhana he had that idea that some somehow this wealth can be a big distraction so he take took a resolution i won't touch any coin no metal and that that really became his reflex in his later life it was found if even unknowingly he touches some metal he will get develop tremendous pain his hand will ripple he his hand will ripple from that he will feel as if some scorpion has bitten him so that is the meaning of the internalization that idea is no more just an this is not just an intellectual concept it has totally changed your reflex so that's the idea of nididhyasana so through swadhyaya taking that swadhyaya as the yagya you can transform your life you are just giving everything your entire life for that idea you leave it you sleep it you dream it that's what swami is saying forget everything else anya vacha vimunchata that leave on that idea and that idea becomes a reality in your life and that is the swadhyaya yagya so those who are sankshita vrata those who are sincere in their vrata sankshita vrata so they practice all these various type of yagyas so that is the 28th so and 29th and the 30th what they say see speaking of so he speaks of the pranayama the food habits everything is a type of yagya what is he saying apane jubhati pranam प्राणापानं तथा परे प्राणापान गतिरुद्धवा प्राणायम परायन सो सम सैक्रिफाइस द आउटगोइंग ब्रेथ इन द इनकमिंग ब्रेथ एंड सम अदर्स ऑफर देयर इनकमिंग ब्रेथ इनटू द आउटगोइंग ब्रेथ सो इट अपीयर्स टू बी टेक्निकल बट व्हेन यू ब्रिंग इट टू द प्रैक्टिकल इंस्ट्रक्शन यू विल फाइंड इन द योग शास्त्र दे स्पीक ऑफ इन द इन द कमेंट्री दे हैव स्पोकन ऑफ दैट व्हेन यू आर ब्रीदिंग इन you breathing with the repetition of hum when you are breathing out so breathing in means you are offering the what you say that's the uh, inhalation in the exhalation when you are breathing out the exhalation is being as if sacrificed in the inhalation that's the idea so when you are doing it doing with the do it with the idea of hamsa so hum hamsa that when you are breathing out sa breathing in hum so when then then if you repeat this then it becomes so hum or hamsa so hum means i am he he am i so there with your each and every breath you are aware of your spiritual awareness when you do that your mind becomes calm and then the second phase of that uh, mantra speaks of prana pana gati rudva spenis speak of kumbhaka this 
rechaka purak and kumbhaka many think that withholding of the breath is something forceful no so when you do it with a spiritual idea that i am he so ham so ham or hamsa that i am he he uh, that uh, this i am the self the self is nothing but me and me alone with this idea thinking of your identity with the self when you go on repeating the mantra your mind calms down you will find with the calming down of your mind the frequency of your breath gets reduced and then the kumbhaka happens spontaneously when your mind gets control the kumbhaka happens spontaneously never practice kumbhaka withholding of the breath forcefully it's just uh, in this context let us say because when you practice kumbhaka it gives a sense of exhalation you will find a sense of exhalation but it is very harmful why you get the sense of exhalation uh, a bit a bit uh, euphoric feeling because your brain uh, you know that uh, with each and every that <coughs> brain is nourished by <coughs> the oxygen when you withheld your brain immediately the brain starts starving and when you are forcefully starving the brain the, the it is our brain the, which is uh, when it is active it is having so much of restless thoughts and when you are starving the brain because of the lack of oxygen the thoughts automatically stop for the time being and you feel very relaxed euphoric but you are doing it in a very wrong way you are starving the brain in the long run many say by doing pranayama by doing meditation some has gone mad actually they don't follow this proper instructions you are not supposed to withhold your breath forcefully through meditation when your mind calms down it's just the opposite just when your mind calms down the mind is no more no more active so it doesn't need that much of oxygen so now your breath automatically will slow down that is okay when you are slowing down your mind and the breath automatically slows down then the kumbhaka follows then it doesn't harm so here actually that is being spoken of so first someone is practicing the sacrifice of inhalation offering it in the exhalation and again exhalation offering it in the inhalation and through the process in this process he is thinking of the self and self alone the mind calms down and then that kumbhaka the withholding of the breath follows this type of pranayama is something is practiced as yagya by some so that's the thing which has been spoken of in the 29th shloka and the 30th shloka what they speak of apare niyata hara pranan pranesh juvati sarvepyate yagya vido yagya kshapita kalmasha it speaks of restricting your diet apare niyata ahara when you have your diet in a controlled way not just to satisfy your greed pranan pranesh juvati so what is there this others curtail their food intake and offer as a sacrifice the function of the senses in the senses so this also is a sacrifice so in our scriptures they say that this restriction of the food that how how we should take the food in the traditional way they have mentioned you should fill only half of your stomach with food another one fourth with water and another one fourth should be free for the year passage of the year so we are not supposed to eat just the way we fill the so called this what you say that uh the 
machine guns with you know, this, uh, what you say with all the barud barud thasha barud, what's the, with all the gunpowder in the olden days that was thing and so that there can be a tremendous blast so not that's the way we are not supposed to fill the stomach with food just half of the stomach should be filled with food one fourth with water and another one fourth should remain free for the passage of the year so year doesn't go to the stomach but the, what does it mean by the passage of the year the diaphragm the movement of your diaphragm gets restricted if you eat full, full stomach so that one fourth to keep it free for the passage of the year means for the movement of the diaphragm that should that, that should not be in any way obstructed so for that one fourth of your stomach should remain empty so that's the idea of the sacrifice of niyatahara so these are the comment uh, these are the explanations which we get from the commentary of sridhar swami of shankaracharya so that's the sacrifice so you will find so everywhere the idea of regulating your life through yagya to renounce some short term game for some long term benefit has been uh, defined and described as yagya so the, the this the in the conclusion the this 31st sloka what it is saying that the one who rest regulates his life through yagya he is his life is something which is nourished is fulfilled and those who don't resort to this yagya their life gets disintegrated so that's the 31st sloka so with this we will end this our discussion what it is saying yagya shishtam rita bhujo yanti brahma sanatanam nayam lokasti yagyasya kutonya kurusottama this those who know the secret of sacrifice and en- and engaging in it partake of its remnants that are like nectar advanced towards absolute truth this brahma sanatanam yagya shishta that after of after yagya what are remains the idea is just after puja that we have the food as the offered for the sac- as the sacred food so it has been offered so what after yagya what remains when you take that that nourishes you and if you take out of grid it will disintegrate you nayang loka sti agyagyasya kutonya krustama even this loka is destroyed for the one who instead of resorting to yagya resorts to this life through grid what to speak of the other world so again this idea of this yagya means here in all this as a conclusion we can say renouncing the short term gain for the long term gain so you take resort to some form of self discipline as per the stage of your life as per your nature as per your swabhava as per your ashrama you resort to particular type of discipline which gives you a long term benefit so all those short term you sacrifice in the fire of sacrifice all the short term benefits to gain in return the long term benefits those who follow their life through these principles of yagya they flourish the others this life is disintegrated what to speak of the life hereafter so that's the idea so with this we stop our discussion today we'll continue uh, with the remaining portion of the fourth chapter again in the next class thank you all namaskar